Hello, and welcome back for this first of the year bonus episode of I Wasn't Always Like This, an uplifting podcast about living with depression. Talking about fear is not a favorite topic for most people. It has really been poking at me lately, though. So even though it scares me a little bit, here we go. Don't give up. Don't give in. It's just the journey. The darkness grows the sea. Bonus episode, What Scares Me? Full disclosure, there are some things that scare me. I know, I know. It's not the most spiritual of statements. It's not very enlightened sounding. It's not a very positive thing to say. It's almost like a confession. Well, everyone, my name is Reverend Rachel and there are some things that scare me. There are, of course, the basic things. Spiders come first. We have a karmic connection that is simply not good. It's a long story. I'm okay if they're outside in their own environment. It's when they come close to or inside the house, just not cool. Folks tell me, oh, they're more scared of you than you are of them. I don't believe that. I don't think they believe it either. I think the other so-called normal fears that come next would be heights, falling, horror movies, and other possible random occurrences that I can't control. Like wind. I'm with Maddie on the whole wind thing. And there are those late night anxieties that only choose to show up at 2 a.m. What if I die? Will I always be alone? What the heck am I doing with my life? Those are fears that carry a bonus side dish of angst. That whole what if I die fear is no joke for those of us who live alone. Lying in bed, listening to my heartbeat, wondering. That can keep me awake all night. And then there's the dark. Strangely, when I would use a float tank, I wasn't afraid in there. Oh, for those who might not be familiar, that would be an isolation or deprivation tank. It's a box measuring about eight feet by four feet that has 10 inches of water and 800 pounds of Epsom salts in it. If you saw the 1980 film Altered States, you know what I'm talking about. I knew I was safe in the tank. It was a place of rest and creativity an infinite possibility. However, I will say that on occasion, I would leave the tiny blue nightlight on in there because there were moments when I would become conscious during the session and I needed to orient myself to where I was in the world. That wasn't necessarily from fear, though. In my home, I have nightlights everywhere. I also leave specific lights on all night as well. When the rare moment of a house guest happens, there's quite a need for adjustment because most folks prefer to sleep in the dark. I can't. 
I need to know everything is okay. And for some reason, those lights help. From those minor bordering on trivial fears, I'll now take you deeper into the dark cave of what scares Reverend Rachel. Both success and failure scare me. After a childhood of fumbling academically, mostly by choice, and years of telling myself the same stories, you're not smart, you can't do math, college is not for you, it was fairly easy to skate along the low achiever path of life. Trying meant I might fail, and I definitely did not want to fail, so I wouldn't try. I created elaborate and entertaining stories about the why of it all, and for a long time that worked. I was able to accomplish things, create a life for myself, all within the safe realms of, that's good enough. When I returned to Ohio in 2016, though, I discovered that I had a cheerleader on my side who was encouraging me to change that story. It was my mom who wisely said, you know, it would only take two more years to get your bachelor's degree. So two years from now, you could still be saying that you don't have one or you could have one. Thank you, mom. I took my raggedy collection of random credits that I had earned over the years and entered college as a 54 year old, almost junior. However, this opened a new door of fear the fear of success. I began doing really well in college. Where I chose to attend was a small, mostly women Catholic college in a beautiful suburb of Cleveland. I was supported, encouraged, and appreciated there. And I was getting A's for the first time in my life. I had a 4.0 grade point average. Let me give you a little perspective here. After barely graduating from high school, I went to The Ohio State University, one of the worst decisions ever. I was mentally ill, unstable, terrified of leaving home, and it didn't take long for me to lose myself and what was left of my sanity in the sea of humanity that attended there. I stopped going to classes during my first semester. And by June of that first year, I was invited to leave the school with a grade point average of 0.07. That is why so many years later, having a 4.0 GPA was a pretty big deal. My mom started calling me Rev Rachel 4.0, which was lovely and also fear inducing. What if I couldn't keep it going? What if things changed and I messed up? I nearly lost my mind when I got a B in statistics and lost the 4.0 ranking for a brief moment. Suddenly, success became more important than anything else. And the fear of losing it was almost all consuming. Now, in my post-college life, even after earning both a bachelor's and master's degree, there's still a sense of fear around succeeding. When a new offer of work comes up or a new opportunity to show up as myself, as Rev Rachel, to do something exciting, something I've always wanted to do, I will feel in my body a sudden rush of cortisol, a tightness, 
a lightheadedness. And then the lying bully depression shows up to remind me that failure is a lot safer than success. Just give up, Rachel. What do you think you're doing? Who do you think you are? Yeah, I told you it was deep. Fear not dealt with can be a real beast. There are a couple of acronyms for fear that float around in spiritual circles. I like both of them. The first one, although crass, and I'm giving you an, a warning of an F-bomb, is fuck everything and run. The one I love and prefer is face everything and rise. Face everything and rise. Which now brings us to two big fears relationships, and the letting go of Maddie. When it comes to Maddie, it's more of a sense of doing what's best and feeling sure about that choice than it being an actual fear. What is surfacing as a fear is what I will do in the days following her being gone. In late 2015, after she and I had moved from Anchorage to Ithaca, New York, and during our time in Ithaca, it became very clear to me that Maddie had stepped up into a new role, that of a working dog. I got her certified as an emotional support animal because she was the one thing that was getting me out of bed every morning. At that time in our journey, I needed her to do that. And even now, there are some days it's clear that she still feels that she needs to do that for me. As we both are approaching the day when she will no longer have that job to do, there's a fear around what will come next. I made a promise to Maddie when she and I ventured out into our life together. I promised that I would always put her dignity first, that I would protect her as she aged from anything that would diminish her quality of life. I am now being called to fulfill that promise. Just recently, I made her a second promise. I have vowed to Maddie that I will, in fact, continue to get out of bed after she is gone. That I will get up, go for a walk, take care of myself, and not slide down into the abyss without a fight. There are moments when she and I are sitting together on the couch, or more recently, when I have been a bit challenged getting up and getting going in the morning, that I can see in her eyes that she's afraid for me. I realize this might be a touch woo-woo for some folks. That's okay. Most of those listening who know me or have furry companions will understand. There's a look, a sense that she is concerned. Although I'm concerned as well, I have made this promise to her. And so we both are working to keep the fear at bay as we navigate this next threshold of change together. And somehow connected to the whole Maddie thing is the fear around relationships. Again, it is not an outright fear, not at all similar to spiders or heights more akin to the fear of wind. 
it's that sense of feeling unsure of what could happen, of the loss of control, of not quite understanding what the heck is going on. See, it's like this. As I've shared many times before, I am someone who loves. I love to love. People, movies, cheese, long drives, music, napping, the perfect cup of tea. I live my life from a place of passion, of yielding to that feeling of yumminess that loving brings. Where the uncertainty or awkwardness comes in is when it comes to relationships. How can I explain this? Um, okay, I know, it's like algebra. Loving others with the big L kind of love is like addition. It's simple for me. It's basic. It's an easy thing for me to do. Now, the concept of two people meeting, falling in love, both at the same time, with each other, and creating a life together, that is like algebra. It simply makes no sense to me. It doesn't compute. How does that even work? I can say with confidence that this both people simultaneously falling in love with one another phenomenon has never happened to me. It's usually been more like a tug of war negotiation experience uh, or a completely baffling surprise or a run for the hills away from that one moment or a chase and capture in a net mission. Not literally, folks, don't worry, I'm not dangerous. More often than not, it's a longing from a distance with no possible hope of it happening kind of deal. On the rare occasions that, as the saying goes, the dog caught the car, those relationships imploded in some painful and damaging ways. Enough to cause me to become very wary of venturing into that territory again. However, since I'm talking about fear in this episode, I should address the whole monster hiding under the bed thing right here and now. When it comes to fear around the whole relationship monster, the real truth is that there is a fear of vulnerability, of being truly seen, even in my worst moments. And I'm not just referring to morning hair. When it comes right down to it, I know myself well enough to know that I'm not really sure how much I want anyone else to know me that well. Balancing that with the fear that I may never get the chance to challenge this particular story, and there, my friends, is an honest and true confession. Reflecting on all of this, I think I'd like to create a new acronym for the word fear. I would like to find one that propels me forward into a new way of thinking and seeing and living my life. I'm thinking about giving this one a test drive. Forgive, edit, and refresh. I can start with the small fears, and as I develop my strength, I can build up to dealing with those larger ones. 
like why I am so resistant to asking for help. That would be a big dive into the deep end of the fear pool. And then I can begin to add in all of those concerns and anxieties, the old stories and beliefs, the attachments and longings. Forgive, edit, and refresh. Forgive the beliefs I've held onto for so long. Edit the current stories I tell myself. Revisit the concept of possibility of trying to do things differently. Each and every day, approaching this life with gratitude for the journey, all of the lessons I have learned, and the opportunity to affirm in the words of Michelangelo, I am always still learning. Fear, okay. Forgive, edit, and refresh.
Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to I Wasn't Always Like This, an uplifting podcast about living with depression. It continues to be such a humbling experience sharing my thoughts, reflections, and lessons learned with all of you. Your responses consistently let me know that I am definitely not alone. That means more to me than I could ever say. I hope that whatever might scare you doesn't get in your way, that you're able to look it in the face and say, not today, fear. If you find yourself needing some support to find your way through it, please reach out to me or someone else you trust. Remember the wise words of Ram Das: We are all just walking each other home. We truly are. If you think any of my work might be of help to someone, please go ahead and share my website, this podcast, the book, all of the info about the book, the content, contact tab link, share it with anyone you think might benefit from it. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this. Please take good care of yourselves and one another. Talk soon. <laughs>